Yeah, what's something that you ate regularly as a kid growing up? Does anybody remember I, Dunkaroos? I don't remember Dunkaroos. Yes. I do, yeah. I I've do. never had one, but I know what they look like. Yeah, little graham crackers with frosting in like a little blue container, or they had like the fudgy like chocolate frosting or the sprinkle frosting. So clearly, this is why my digestive system isn't great as an adult, because my favorite food was highly processed sugar. <laughs> but I'm sure they were amazing. But they were amazing. But I cut you off, Nate. What were you going to say? No, you're good. The uh, I just asked uh, my wife for this last night, uh, but I'm not Jewish by any means, but matzo ball soup. I don't know if you've ever, you know, got the, either made it from scratch or you, you know, you go to the store and buy them uh, in the packages and stuff. But every once in a while, I'll crave matzo ball soup again. So harder and harder to find, but. That's because it's not very good. I'm just <laughs> oh, kidding. Please. I can't tell you the last time I've ever had it or if I ever have. <laughs> That's interesting. I remember but, uh, growing up, we had a garden that my mother kept and I always would go out and eat the cherry tomatoes and sugar snap peas constantly throughout the day. Like she would catch me and I would get in trouble for eating too much of that. But I loved it. It was it was so good. But you said, Austin, come back to you. You're up. What do you got? Um, I would probably say even now it's probably still sunflower seeds. Um, I grew up playing baseball and always had sunflower seeds on me. And even in my friend group now, like I'm the one that has sunflower seeds all the time. So okay. I've tried every flavor you can that are that is out, and I, it's probably my my addiction. So is there a best flavor and best brand that we need to know about them? I honestly think my favorite brand is the is bigs i'm going over giants um but i like the sizzling bacon because it tastes like chicken ramen to me so oh. which is super weird but <laughs> whatever seasonings probably in ramen yeah. seasoning on that you're like there's got to be a correlation yeah. somewhere it, if you haven't tried it definitely recommend so all right we'll have to I'll do that I'll make one last comment and I'll let you guys help get us on topic here. But uh, Montsbald is not as uh, off topic here as I was originally thinking. So I found out recently that uh, world events too, right? Uh, Russia, Ukraine war, but Ukraine is a huge exporter of matzah. So so anyways, tying it all together, right? Except for Todd, who didn't get to talk. Uh, Yeah, Todd, what do you got? Trying to make the connection. I, mine wasn't all that interesting, um, but, but I got a story nonetheless. So I was really, 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 really enjoying oranges when I was a kid. Um, and I went to Florida the first time, got to go to an orange grove, got my, uh, you know, get to pick them, bring back the whole bag. Had so many of them, I got sick. And then that was kind of it for oranges. I still have them from time to time, but I don't have the craving like I once did. So I cannot get that to you when they're like in season. Be like, here's an orange for you, Todd. And you're going to be like, no. Yeah, they're fine. I'll I'll have them, but I don't go out of my way to get them anymore. Okay. See, look at all this fun stuff that we're learning. Now, I know when it's like August's birthday, I got to give him some sunflower seeds and bacon. Can you guess when my birthday is? Is it August? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is great. (laughs) Love it. See, easy to remember. Yeah. But no, as Nate had mentioned about trying to get on topic, we love our tangents, but we will get on topic today because it is a very um, serious topic. But also, you know, we love the world of cybersecurity. So this is our this is our jam. But today we're going to be talking about EDR and what is it? And we have three people from the security side of the house on us, along with Kelsey and myself from the marketing team. But I have August today, who is a SOC technician. We have 
Jeff Nate, who is the Director of Cybersecurity, and Todd, who is our Chief Operating Officer and CISO. So thank you guys, all three, for joining. But let's get into this. Basic question, EDR, what is it? Who's taking lead? Don't fight. Go. I'll take the lead. I always do. Can't all help right. The Here we go, Todd. Um, so what is it? it? How about we start with what it is not? It is not antivirus. Um, so I get to tell another story. Uh, if you look at antivirus, antivirus has actually been around for well over 30 years. I think it's closer to 50, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was originally designed to be, if anybody knows it, it's called signature-based. And what signature-based means is it was designed to find a specific problem and solve it. So if you had the signature, you could apply it to that signature and you would resolve any issues, which was great for the first 40 years. And unfortunately, the bad guys have kind of figured that out that all I have to do is change that signature a little bit and you can't keep up with me because it's always backwards looking. So EDR stands for Endpoint Detection and Response. It is not antivirus. However, it does do antivirus too. I'll stop and let somebody else go on to the next portion of it. Yeah, I think that's the end of the podcast. Uh, Todd summarized it. Um, yeah, no, endpoint detection response. There's a lot of names floating out there today. There's EDR, MDR, XDR, right? So just we're going to, for the sake of this uh, overview, we're going to consolidate it. It's all the same thing. Now, that's uh, not quite true, but high level is endpoint detection response does what it normally does, you know, that we'll get into. MDR has some management layer. You have people doing it for you. XDR, same thing. You just start integrating with other services. Uh, maybe it's your identity provider if you're looking at, uh, you know, your accounts in the network and everything like that. And if there's a threat on the endpoint, close it up on the account as well. But um, real briefly, the X stands for extended. Right. Thanks, Todd. So, so that's the. All the different names you'll probably see floating out there, they change them or add another letter every single time. But um, so EDR, very backwards looking with those signatures, um, you know, integrating with a lot of tools. Then what one of the main differentiators comes in is more of a behavioral analysis. So this is where there's these different files where someone gets on there, you know, maybe they changed one bit or something, right? New signature. Um, and then it starts behaving abnormally. Having that tool track the behavior all along the path and then saying, okay, now this is a threat and being able to go roll back either those changes and we can get deeper into that uh, as well. But it's looking at what actions are actually being applied. Likewise, with the antivirus, you have that signature where we know that this is bad, but for the behavioral side, there's attacks called living off the land as well so you're using legitimate tools that need to be installed on that system and you're abusing them in a way that can exploit a system you can't just go use an antivirus software and go rip out powershell but if powershell is doing something bad you should take action yeah and i'd like to give kind of an example as well of that of like let's say the difference between an antivirus is if you have like bad macros within a, a word doc or an excel document and then uh if you execute that, it, since it's not a known signature, if they, it was altered, it wouldn't be ca caught by an antivirus. But where an EDR is a continuously monitoring, so um, and going off of the behavioral 
analysis like uh, Nate was talking about. It's where like, let's say a macro starts to execute within a Word document. The EDR system says, hey, that's kind of weird. Why is Word trying to reach out to the internet and PowerShell and execute this script? Let's block it. So mm -hmm. uh, that's where that behavioral um, portion comes in. Yeah, I guess, uh, sorry, I was going to have August quick explain something. I think this is also another differentiator, but August, you mentioned that it's always monitoring, whereas I know a lot of the antiviruses, you're being asked, can you kick off a full disk scan, you know, to go back through the entire disk to go find a threat? Do we need to do that with an anti or an EDR solution? No, just because like, yeah, it's a uh, continuously monitoring. So if any time an executable is ran, uh, it's getting picked up by the EDR, double checking that, hey, everything that lo looks right here is clean. Um, and then anything that looks semi-malicious or even a titch malicious is going to be automatically blocked. Or like I bring up the Word document, connecting to PowerShell is very abnormal. So um, yeah. So we do have a podcast first, to the best of my knowledge. I don't know if anybody's used Titch prior to today. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I just summarized that <laughs> real briefly. <laughs> um, so really what, what EDR is doing is, as its name implied, endpoint detection is it's sitting on an endpoint. That'd be your laptops, your desktop servers, that type of thing. And it's looking for those abnormal things that we talked about, behaviors, things that wouldn't normally happen. So August used the example of a Word doc. It could be a PDF. It could be a whole bunch of different things. But essentially what's happening in a lot of cases is a user potentially opens something thinking it's fine. Um, so we we had an example of a customer who went into their own personal email, went into Gmail, pulled open a PDF, looked like it came from the Apple store. Here's the receipt for the new Mac you bought. And they're like, wait a second, I didn't buy a Mac. And they open up the PDF and it fires off some malicious activity. That endpoint detection response tool set is now going to contain that and saying, well, to August's point, that's not normal behavior. I'm not going to allow that to happen. And so it quarantines it and keeps just the one piece going. And then it creates an alert saying, hey, this is something that didn't go quite right. You should take a look at it. When Nate mentioned earlier, there is something called managed detection and response. That's the team that he mentioned, which is a team will look at that and say, is it malicious? Is it not? What should you do with that? So that's kind of the connection of the tools. Um, and then as Nate mentioned as well, is there is a journaling act aspect that goes on. So it's constantly monitoring what's happening, step-by-step snapshots, if you will, of it trying to say, okay, that shouldn't have happened. Can I roll back to a previous state? So that's kind of the summary of everything that those guys had mentioned as far as EDR is. I think that's a pretty decent overview of what it is in and of itself. And then, like I said earlier, it does have that traditional antivirus on it. So most people will get rid of their old traditional antivirus and move to EDR. And in case anybody's curious on where we stand on that, that's 100% where we are. You absolutely want EDR over antivirus. I kind of want to add something to that point. You brought up uh, getting rid of your antivirus when you roll out EDR, um, which is usually a lot of the times like antiviruses and EDRs don't play nicely well together. Um, like I know, for example, uh, Sentinel-1 and Sovos, they fight over a Windows process called uh, WoW64, So, um, which actually is worse for your device than just having a standalone of the antivirus or EDR because they fight over those two processes and then they can't make a decision on it and then they just say let's not let anything run basically so all of your 
applications you try and open are just automatically shut down at that point. So yeah, CrowdStrike also fights with Sentinel One over the same process there. So, but um, I guess one of the things that as you're doing that transition, maybe we should also comment on is always leave your antivirus on there until the EDR is uh, fully on and installed and everything like that. So, you know, when our team is deploying this for our customers, we roll out the EDR solution in a like a detect only mode, right? So we we don't start just ripping things out and, you know, taking actions, you know, in case we have things like the Sophos is the crowd strikes, whatever other tool is already out there today. But when we do that, we're trying to figure out, are there potentially any issues or, you know, false positives? Maybe it is a legitimate um, Excel macro that you're using for your business. We don't want to prevent you from being able to use that. And so we go in there, we create the exclusions, make sure it's going to work properly within your organization. Then at that point, we turn it on, but disable the antivirus and uninstall the antivirus. You don't want to leave your devices unprotected. So just being careful with that deployment process. I did want to throw a question out to the group. You know, Todd had mentioned EDR, like everybody should have it. It's super important to have within your organization. But are there certain industries that benefit more or like check a box for compliance regulations um, just to ensure that I got this baby in and we're protected? I can touch on that one a little bit. Um, It's going to benefit everyone. So it's just simply a better tool. Um, but in terms of the regulated industries, you're going to see this. Um, so for example, there's a improving the nation cybersecurity executive order that came out now almost two years ago. Um, but essentially that one was all about every federal agency is now required to have EDR. That was really the big ball that started everything moving. Um, and then you saw about three months after that, a lot of the insurance agencies picking that up as a requirement. Um, so if you want cyber insurance, got to have EDR. And we have seen customer after customer after customer getting denied coverage because they don't have it. So it, it's that critical to everyone. Yeah, add on that a little bit. Um, EDR is probably the only thing to date that I've seen people be denied insurance on. If you don't have it, you could be denied. Um, there's been high recommendations that you should put multi-factor in as well, but I haven't seen people being outright denied. They say, get that in before we finalize the contract, that type of thing. Um, as far as industries, if you're working with anybody in the federal government, you probably already know who you are. But ones that we typically see that that, that applies to is manufacturing more often than not. They tend to work with the Department of Defense and so forth. Um, but, you know, again, to Nate's point, it, it it's something that we would say it's kind of blocking and tackling. It's 101. It's the number one A, number one B, whichever way you want to frame it between MFA and EDR. It's something you absolutely should have. To me, it's a non-negotiable. You should move on to EDR. It just simply makes that much of a difference. Um, it reminds me of an old commercial that I think I saw many years ago. It says, do you want a pain reliever that really works? That's what I'd say EDR is compared to antivirus, something that actually does work. Yeah, we uh, here at CIT, you know, we would do a lot of ransomware response for either customers that are coming to CIT, you know, for first contact, maybe it's a customer that had a different solution in place. Um, I can say we have not had a single ransomware incident for someone that had EDR deployed 
in all of 2023 or 2022, not one. That's how critical it is. Um, we've seen plenty of attempts, right? You know, the I'm not going to get into any customer name, obviously, but we saw legitimate software that's used to attack networks and gain, you know, full access to the, the network. Um, and someone on that device, they try and load it up, gets removed. They install software to try and remove the EDR solution. It automatically removes that. And then they even sent a uninstall request to our team overnight trying to have us manually do it. But that's where the people come into play and that, you know, that manage component comes in as well saying the tool is doing its job, but there's still someone on that device trying to manually defeat us. Um, and then at that point, we were able to get in and just disconnect the entire device from the network and keep it completely isolated. So um, really, really powerful tools. I would say one of my favorite parts of um, watching, because I, I know exactly which one you're talking about, and seeing the uh, how fast the tool works is uh, pretty incredible too. You could see the execution of the pro <clears throat> excuse me the process, and then like a millisecond later, not even it got uh, killed and quarantined right away. So just the process and how fast it works. I know sometimes um, when you have an application like this that you're going to be applying across an organization, the end users can get a little bogged down with like the process and like, oh, this is one more thing I got to get added or like I got to watch for. So can you tell me a little bit more of like how that impacts the users or their best practices that they have to follow like once this is in place? Don't download malicious stuff. Um. <laughs> hey, I know from the marketing department, we do a lot of research. So we go out and we got to look at some things. So yeah. like I understand yeah. that, you know, you might have to block us from time to time. But um, yeah. I, I guess go ahead. I know you help do a lot of these. Yeah, I was just uh, when something gets blocked like that, it's a it's a pretty easy process to to unquarantine a file. We just have to know about it first. Um, and we at CAT usually we get a a ticket about it, and we reach out to you um, most often than not. Um, but if you have someone within your organization that has access to the management console or that at, at basically an admin, they're able to just click on what they could see. Oh, on Nate's device, I saw he ran this. Let's he this is actually legit. Let's unquarantine it and then add it to the exclusions for it not to be blocked again. So, typically speaking, for for most users of a PC, it's pretty benign. You don't see much happening for the most part. There are exceptions. So, August had mentioned it earlier, where you potentially have it competing with some other tool that's trying to use the same resource. But for the most part, it's it's pretty transparent. Most users will really notice anything about it. So once it's deployed, it's there, it's running, it's a layer of protection. Most people aren't doing things that are malicious. However, it does come up from time to time and it will block you. Um, I think what we typically see more often than not as people get a security tool put in place, then they start to ask right away is anything that's abnormal was, did the security tool stop me from doing what I wanted to do? Um, more often than not, no. And in the EDR's case, it's really not designed to do those kinds of things. Um, so, for example, I had a user who was unable to do something at home. They were, couldn't get to a website and they said, is this my security tool stopping me? And we're like, no, it's just going out to the Internet. You can do that. That's fine. Um, so that's what we typically see. But it isn't usually the security tool set that's usually blocking it. And most people don't really get impacted by it day in, day out. 
I have to make a joke here because uh, Todd said, you know, is my security tool blocking me? I, uh, for those that are on the podcast listening, I have a security swear jar next to me. Those are all corners for when someone blamed the tool and I found out it wasn't the tool. So, um, but yes, it's uh, the EDR solution is typically completely in the background. Um, if a threat does uh, pop up or is found, usually there's a pop up right on the screen saying, this security tool found something, it's quarantined it, reach out to support if you need assistance. I don't think I've received that yet, so I don't think I've done anything bad. So I'm going to say <laughs> that marketing's on the good list right now. Oh. <laughs> it, at least in that regard, yes. Yeah. But we, no, it sounds like a very powerful tool for to be in place. Most, most, yeah, most organizations, they may see one or two pop-ups every couple months, right? It, it's very, very, very rarely actionable. But again, it's protecting it very, very strongly. Which does bring me to a question that I had. So let's say that you set it up, your users don't see any friction, you're going. We, of course, manage it for customers, but there's not to say there's not tool sets that you can manage yourself or have internal IT. If you're a business owner looking at deciding to put it in place, how do you make that decision beyond, hey, yeah, I'm going to handle this all myself or no, I'm going to have somebody else look at it? I would probably default to there's um, a concept that we've talked about here at CIT quite often, but there's the people process and technology, um, and it's a blend of those three. So you can throw technology at your network and hope that it works. But what happens if there's a misconfiguration? What happens if you forgot that it didn't get installed on a device? What do you do if um, you accidentally made an exclusion because you were just trying to fix something else and you made it too wide, right? That's where the, the people come into play and in saying, you have to have someone that's an expert at this tool as well, because they'll know, number one, how to um, put in those exclusions properly or how to deploy it properly or um, for like infra, uh, threat sharing, right? If one alert is found at one customer, having that being widespread across all of them to protect the next customer as well right and so when you're or working in an isolated vacuum of just that one customer you're not seeing the full threat landscape um, and then likewise the last part of that whole people process technology is the processes um, is if a threat is discovered number one is anyone actually looking at the alerts are they um, skilled to be able to go in and do a forensic deep dive or threat hunting to figure out is this a legitimate threat rather than just saying well it looks like an excel macro that my user is working on let's approve it right maybe there actually was something malicious in there and being able to deep dive into all that yeah my, my take on it is um there's a lot of benefits right there's also a lot of really smart people out there and unfortunately the way that the world has gone over the last several years is security is kind of the forefront of everything, right? So even your standard, if you will, IT individual who doesn't have a heavy duty security background has some wherewithal just because they have to. So I don't want to infer that you can't get the tool yourself, manage it, unblock things, et cetera, et cetera. There are huge benefits by going through a managed one, which is why there is a whole acronym around managed detection and response is having people that have the expertise. Now, one of the things that I would say you get from an expertise from a group like CIT is we see things at scale. And then by that, I mean 
hundreds of customers, thousands and thousands of devices across industry, retail, healthcare, finance, you name it, we see it. Um, and then, then the nuances that we get, and I'll use a banking example, is one of our customers was trying to use one of their core banking apps. And as part of that tool set, it would launch a .bat file, which is a batch file, and there's some subcomponents that needed to load. And by default, something like Sentinel One is going to stop that. That is not normal, right? I double click on this application. As far as the tool is concerned, is that's not normal behavior. Well, CIT is familiar with those core banking apps, so we can go before we get into the weeds of just blocking your users from doing the jobs they need to do. Let's set up the exclusions and so on and so forth. Again, not that the smart people can't figure this out. You just get to skip that step. And then you've got the monitoring, the remediation, all the deep dive stuff. So there is huge benefits from all that additional technology, all that additional insights. Mm -hmm. And then people like August in the background going, this is what I do, buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one, maybe one last thing I'd maybe add to that is, um, is the tool, you know, for a standalone product versus a managed one is, the who's monitoring that and you know the times that they're monitoring it so are you monitoring it eight by five 24 by seven right there's a vastly different coverage there so um, if your staff operate operates at 24 7 again that's great more more visibility and you know paying attention to those tools is great if you tend to be an eight by five customer that's where the um, mdr managed detection response typically plays more of a benefit yeah, it's an excellent point. So when you had uh, mentioned earlier, are there industries that need it? And I said manufacturing, great example of an industry that almost always is running 24-7. That's just the way manufacturing is. And IT people do tend to sleep. So uh, it's a good point. I like that a lot. Um, the one other thing that I was going to say that you get a benefit from working with a partner is um, when we chose our EDR solution, uh, Nate and I did reviews of many, many, many products, and it takes an enormous amount of time to look at the product, go through the whole sales cycle, test the product, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'll tell you, it's not terribly fun. I mean, it is if you're a security nerd, that part's awesome. a lot of fun. Yeah, that part can be really cool. But if you're busy all day, every day, like most of our customers are, it's a lot of work. So you get those benefits as well. Yeah, and here at CIT, I guess last thing, and um, here at CIT, we we use a tool that's widely tested, not just from myself or Todd or you know, August, but uh, we take a look at the year-over-year -year performance with third-party independent testing. So uh, if you go take a look at the MITRE Ingenuity, that's a, a firm that does independent testing. People submit their tools to it. They run it through the hardest tests out there known for it. And then they don't provide any commentary about it. They just say, here's how the tool performed. And then you can go take a look at it. So, um, and all of the different EDR solutions are doing that as well. So um, there is a difference between these EDR tools as well and what their detection rates are and the different capabilities. So just one other consideration to put into play there, so. That's great, I love that. Um, any final words? I know that we're gonna need to be wrapping up the podcast here soon that you guys wanted to talk about i think the only thing that i would add to it is i think most people just naturally go okay that's great that's technology for business but then they start to go what about my home should i have it at home i'd say yes i it, it, the tools aren't that expensive um but if you've got any kind of sensitive data at home and you can you can decide what's sensitive to you 
Um, but it could be your taxes. It could be the folder that you have all of your pictures on that are all digital, whatever the case may be. If you want to protect that system because it's got something that you care about on it, you should be looking at tool sets like this to protect them. Um, if it's just a blank uh, tablet, who cares? Burn it down. I wish I had EDR installed on my grandma's computer. It saved me a lot of support calls. So. <laughs> That might have to be um, our second version of the podcast of how to like provide technical support to family members because I think at all at some point we've all struggled with that. I think I've got that answer and I can finish it in like ten seconds. Tell oh, okay. Them to call what? your sibling. Okay. All right. So, that's what I do. Call my brother. <laughs> call my <Yeah>. brother. <laughs> I just say I don't do that anymore. Sorry. Pass that buck. Well. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see maybe part two of that, of the, the support for family members. But I wanted to say um, thank you, Nate, August, and Todd, both for your discussions on EDR, which we have all learned is endpoint detection and response and really, really important tool for all organizations to get out there and ensure that you have that um, turned on and CIT can certainly help. But if you guys have any other podcast ideas, please let us know. You can go out to info at cit-net.com or go visit our website which is www.cit-net.com backslash podcast and um, go out there download listen let us know how we're doing but as always we love to talk in tangent so we will talk with you guys all next week bye